What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet Today for April the 9th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams and welcome to today's show. Of course, as always, I hope this one does find you well and if you are brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast in which I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry for you to enjoy, to stay informed, and to consume in a day-to-day -day format. Of course, it's hosted live on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And then the show is put up on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, as well as podcast services around the world, including Spotify. Get on that Spotify. It's the best for podcast, in my opinion. Now, with that being said, what are we going to be talking about today? We've got some big news pertaining to Fallout 76 because microtransactions that are not cosmetic are going to be coming to the game. However, pause, not necessarily a cripplingly bad thing. Want to make that very clear right out of the gate. I'm not outraged, I'm just covering the news. Sony has filed a patent for VR-friendly prescription glasses with eye tracking. Now, it's been in development for a couple of years, uh, but the new patent is finally live right now. On top of that, Borderlands 3 Studio Head has responded to the review bombing uh, that has gone on with Borderlands 3. Now, on top of that, I will also say that this is not a piece of new news. This is something that we probably should have covered yesterday, but at the same time, we can build on that today. Z1 Battle Royale has been dropped by the new developer and has returned to Daybreak Games. Yet another fold in the various folds of this entire story that's going on with H1Z1, now called Z1 Battle Royale. It just keeps getting weirder. Resident Evil 2 has a brand new DLC add-on that will let you skip the challenges and get right to the tofu for five bucks, which is relatively affordable, but does it take away from the game overall? Roblox now has over 90 million monthly active users, and finally, there is a brand new Overwatch event coming your way starting on April the 16th, and we will talk about that. Uh, but that pretty much wraps up the news for the day, and that's what you can expect from today's episode. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it, shall we? Fallout 76's repair kits are the game's first non-cosmetic microtransactions. Since before Fallout 76's launch, Bethesda was keen to remind people that there is no pay-to-win option in the game. Everything that could be purchased with real money, or rather the virtual currency atoms, which cost real money, would be cosmetic and not allow players who engaged in PvP to have any kind of advantages. That was until the game's most recent patch, which added a new item to the atom shop. Repair kits, which can be found out in the world through crafting, can now be purchased using atoms. It's not exactly pay-to-win in that you aren't going to become king of the wasteland with a single purchase, but it does put you at an advantage to people who spend the now seemingly unnecessary time to get repair kits versus just buying them. It's a shortcut, but one that does break the promise Bethesda had made at the outset. A pinned threat on the game's subreddit about the subject asked players to sound off for 24 hours, at which point moderation had to limit it to the single threat of outrage. One user commented, maybe it's just me, but it feels like we need to be ever vigilant when it comes to keeping Bethesda in check. They've already demonstrated that they're far from scrupulous when it comes to the Atom Store, i.e. fake sale prices, artificial sa scarcity, excuse me, with very short limited time availability, etc. Sadly, I don't see any changing anytime soon. 
A few noticed, the Bethesda community managers that tend to stay active in the subreddit have disappeared without comment as the news of repair kits has trickled out. In a time where Bethesda is trying to earn back player trust in the game, it definitely seems strange to decide now is when to start adding non-cosmetic items to the Atom store. And so this is a very interesting story for me personally because I've been following closely uh, the general community discussion around Fallout 76. Now I've never played the game uh, because quite frankly it seems like it's it's been relatively, uh, you know, the equivalent of a dumpster fire since it was released last year. Uh, but this seems like a really bad move and one that could often be written off as something that isn't even worth talking about. Because again, everything that can be purchased can be earned within the game when it comes to these repair kits that are now considered a microtransaction. But at the same time, whenever a promise is made, a promise should be kept. And so whenever you're looking at this kind of, of scenario where they are introducing microtransactions at this point in the game, of course it's very um, against the overall messaging that was going on at the beginning of Fallout 76 and its release. Now, with that being said, what I think is going on here is that they need some money because Fallout 76 more than likely isn't making it. And you have to really consider that Bethesda, although of course they aren't going to be going under anytime soon, uh, is definitely taking a hit with Fallout 76 because it's not the worldwide sensation that fans wanted and it's not the worldwide sensation that Bethesda had thought that it might be. And so whenever you're considering all of this and you're seeing how microtransactions are factoring into the game, they're coming at a time in which it's kind of a make it or break it for Fallout 76. Will the game continue to see support for three years from now, two years from now, even next year from now? What does the future of Fallout 76 look like? And I think that they're trying to generate some funding in a way to kind of, you know, alleviate these financial restraints that are being placed because of the fact that the game, quite frankly, isn't what people wanted or what people thought that it would be. Now, to take a step back, uh, a lot of people are satisfied with Fallout 76. I have friends in the online groups that I frequent that are perfectly fine uh, with the state of the game. But considering that this is literally going back on the cosmetic-only microtransaction approach that Bethesda had went ahead and confirmed from the outset of the game, that's whenever you start to see a little bit of a backlash from the community. And so that's definitely something uh, that I can identify with. Uh, but... If you did want to dive into Fallout 76, it's out now on the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC. Again, the game is not what anybody thought that it would be, not the best game by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it is one that is a Fallout game when it comes down to it, if you did want to get a multiplayer experience in. But strange times right now for Bethesda. In the course of two years, they've gone from being a company that is incredibly respected in the gaming industry and kind of held to a very high standard, uh, to one that has begun to have some cracks and levels so to speak. People aren't quite as supportive and as, as into Bethesda as they used to be. Of course, uh, when the next Wolfenstein comes out, people are still going to love Bethesda. When the next Elder Scrolls comes out, it's going to sell like hotcakes. Bethesda isn't necessarily lacking in support, but the public narrative around the company has shifted drastically in a very short amount of time because of some bad moves, especially when it comes to Fallout 76. Uh, so again, we will see what happens with Bethesda in the future, but right now, non-cosmetic microtransactions are going to be coming to the game. However, let's talk about these new VR-friendly glasses, because as somebody who is a glasses wearer myself, a glasses connoisseur, if you will, a contactless vision-impaired individual of the U.S. culture, uh, I would love to get some VR-friendly prescription glasses, although... that's not really a big deal for a lot of people. However, Sony has a patent for them if you are into that. 
Sony has patented a design for prescription glasses that aim to solve the problems glasses wearers face when using VR headsets. Silicon Era spotted the patent for prescription glasses, with eye tracking being the standout feature. The VR headset being used with the glasses will detect that glasses are being worn by the user via an encoded signal and disable the headset's gaze detection function and response. Instead, the gaze data will be wirelessly communicated to the headset thanks to the eye tracking feature in the glasses, and the image frame processor will adjust image frames on the display in response. Having the eye tracking sensor on the glasses rather than the headset could seem a bit odd. Sony's existing PSVR headset doesn't have an eye tracking feature, so perhaps this solves an issue with its next iteration of the PlayStation VR. Now, the patent itself was filed back in December of 2017, but was published last week, uh, which makes it even more interesting. So overall, uh, if you don't know what's happening here with this, essentially VR uses some form of eye tracking uh, when it comes to how they display the image on your screen. Now, as they said, the PSVR does not, but eye tracking is becoming a bigger part of gaming culture overall. For those that don't know, a lot of streams have this thing, I believe it's called Moby Eye Tracker, something along those lines, uh, where it literally tracks your gaze on the screen. Of course, a lot of streamers use this for hijinks and pranks and funny videos, uh, but a lot of other people actually use it to see where the streamer is looking on the screen, which adds a certain level of depth to the stream itself. For instance, if you are playing something like The Division 2, uh, you can see the eye movements of the streamer and where they are looking, what enemies they're shooting at, what objectives they're going towards. That's really interesting stuff. And that technology has a lot of potential in the VR space because to be able to adjust and micro-adjust uh, the image being presented by the VR headset, I think adds a much more, I guess, um, encompassing experience in VR. It adds something that's much more uh, fitting to whoever is using the VR headset. And I think going forward, this kind of forward-thinking technology is going to be a big part of the VR space. Now, the question is, will this actually be something that the next generation of PSVR uses? And I think that it very well could. But again, will the glasses look like this? Again, this is the image that we're looking at right here uh, with the prescription glasses that have been you know, shown off in the patent. Of course, I'm sure they'll have many different models. Uh, it very well could be something that is sold bundled in with the PSVR and you can maybe take some frames to your local eye doctor or your local Warby Parker or whatever you might use uh, and get some frames or get some uh, lenses put into them. Again, who knows how this would work, but it's cool to see that they are thinking about the future of VR. And I think that's the underlying message here is that PSVR has not been a worldwide sensational experience, but it has been something that has shown that VR has a space in gaming culture and in general general entry-level gaming culture, if you will, the PS4 players, the Xbox One players, these console gamers have an interest in VR, and I think that going forward, it's going to be a big part of the PlayStation ecosystem, not necessarily something that you bundle in with the next generation of consoles, not necessarily something that is necessary to experience games, but something that can definitely bring a lot more value as times do go on. So we'll see what the future of VR holds, but to see this new technology being developed, I think is something that's pretty impressive and very interesting to say the least. But let's talk about Borderlands 3, because Borderlands 3 Studio Head and Steam have responded to review bombing. Maybe stop doing that in regards to the review bombing. The reveal of Borderlands 3 didn't go without its share of controversy. As part of the announcement, developer Gearbox and publisher 2K revealed that this would be an exclusive to the Epic Games Store on PC until April of 2020. And of course, as we talked about on yesterday's episode of Caffeinate, this has led to review bombing, people uh, dissing the games that have come out previously on Steam, and essentially trying to review bomb or take down the overall rating on Steam. But a Steam, I guess, uh, measure, a security measure 
if you will, uh, was put into effect that did not affect the overall rating of Borderlands 1 and 2, but instead left people a note saying, hey, there is disconnected conversation going on around Borderlands 1 and 2 right now that could skew the reviews being shown off. Indeed they are. Uh, so... Now we're adding a different skew to it because Randy Pitchford, Gearbox head, has stepped in on Twitter a couple of days back and said, and I quote, ironically, this is mis, uh, excuse me, that this misuse is possible and that Steam has no interest in correcting this misuse, pause, this was before they actually corrected the misuse, makes me kind of happy about 2K's decision and makes me want to reconsider Gearbox Publishing's current posture on the platform. And of course, this was said on Twitter. Now, since that quote came out, uh, as we covered yesterday, they changed uh, their overall response to the Borderlands 1 and 2 controversy in an effort to, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, satisfy Randy Pitchford. Because although it is tempting to embrace public backlash whenever it's in your favor, at the end of the day, for them to lose Gearbox Publishing and for them to lose Borderlands and future iterations of Borderlands uh, indefinitely would hurt Steam in the long run because Borderlands is a big game. That's something that is significant. This isn't a small indie game. Uh, Borderlands 3 is arguably the biggest game of 2019. And so, of course, this probably had some kind of factor in getting a response from Steam and getting that implementation of tools uh, that help review bombing become more transparent on the platform and more known to those looking at games. Uh, but uh, overall, to see Twitter work in the way that it does is incredibly impressive to me because although Twitter can be a hive of scum and villainy in the words of famous Star Wars quotes, uh, it can also be an incredibly useful tool for people in the gaming industry, in any industry, in politics, whatever it might be, to communicate with people in the community. And I think that to be able to be transparent about this, uh, to have a conversation about this on Twitter, and to actually uh, show what is happening behind the scenes and to show opinions is incredibly valuable in today's day and age where opinion is news. That's what it comes down to. That's what everybody is is proclaiming these days. And that's why we're talking about it right here on my small little news podcast. Uh, but again, a lot of controversy going around right now with the Epic Games Store. Of course, we've talked about it. It feels like every episode of Caffeinate for the past two weeks, uh, but it's still worth talking about today because I didn't cover this yesterday and it needs to be talked about. So I thought we would mention it here. But let's talk about Z1 Battle Royale, because this is kind of a big deal. Uh, again, it just keeps getting worse for the guys at Daybreak, in my opinion. Now, they could come back from this, but let's go ahead and dive into it. Z1 Battle Royale dropped by a new developer and returns to Daybreak Games. Nant G says that despite months of work, many challenges remain. The H1Z1 saga has taken yet another bizarre, confusing twist as developer Nant G Mobile has announced that it's giving up on the newly renamed Z1 Battle Royale and returning to its original developer Daybreak Games. The studio did not confirm that the change has resulted in layoffs, as reported last week by Massively Overpowered, but said that it will focus on its core mission of developing mobile games moving forward and has refocused our team towards this vision. A little history probably wouldn't hurt, given all that's happened so far. H1Z1 originally went live on Steam Early Access in 2015 and then split into two games in 2016. H1Z1 Just Survive, the multiplayer survival game, and H1Z1 King of the Kill, a competitive BR. The following year, the H1Z1 bit was cut from the first game, leaving it as Just Survive, which was closed in August of 2018, while King of the Kill went back to being just H1Z1 and was then rebranded to Z1 Battle Royale last year. And after all of that, I suppose they just go ahead and come out and say dicking around. Okay then, we're right back to where we started, except with a BR instead of a survival game. 
Very interesting moves here from the devs, from the uh, the guys behind the scenes, because there have been so many people with hands on it at Daybreak Games, at various companies, at NantG, uh, when it comes to Z1 Battle Royale, H1Z1, Just Survive, whatever you want to call it. It's such a mess at this point, and I think that at this point, my opinion on the entire situation with Z1 Battle Royale is that it comes to a point in public discourse and in the view of of public opinion that you cannot come back from where you have gone. And I think that's where we find H1Z1, Z1 Battle Royale, whatever you want to call it right here, is that no matter how much you rebrand, no matter how much you try to backpedal on choices that have been made and development choices that have been made, you just can't undo the damage that's been done. And we saw something similar when it comes to the culling, because for those that don't know what happened with the culling, uh, it was originally an incredibly unique BR game. It was one that really laid the foundation for BR, and it was a big game there for a while. A lot of people got famous on Twitch because because of the culling and so whenever the culling 2 was advertised and came out it was nothing more than a a terrible BR shallow experience that was just not satisfying in the slightest and also completely and totally abandoned uh, the origin that the culling had laid down ironically coming back uh, as the culling origins in a couple of weeks after the launch of the culling 2 which was a uh, phenomenal uh, failure uh, but all of that to the side, the point here is that sometimes whenever a bad decision is made, whenever the news goes against a game's favor, you begin to see the public support for that game fade, you begin to see overall the general discourse around the game become negative, and that's what you've got with H1Z1, Z1 Battle Royale, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter how good you make the game at this point, unless it is absolutely phenomenal, you can go ahead and stop developing Z1 Battle Royale. It's just not happening. There are so many Battle Royale games coming out today. There are so many games that have risen to the top, and I just don't think there is a spot for H1Z1 there anymore. Even PUBG, although it is massive, especially when it comes to PUBG Mobile, it's not getting the same kind of discussion as compared to stuff like Fortnite, as compared to stuff like Apex Legends. It's just not happening anymore. The time to, I suppose, mine for gold in the BR industry is beginning to close a good bit. Now, there is still space for new ideas to come in. I'm not saying that's the case, but when it comes to trying to go back to the roots and trying to regain that positive public discussion around H1Z1 that was had whenever the game was first becoming big and was first a big sensation on Twitch, it's just not there anymore. And so that's pretty much where we are with Daybreak Games and with Z1 Battle Royale, but interesting to see Nant G has dropped the game and has returned it to Daybreak. What a crippling piece of news for Daybreak Games. Now let's talk about Resident Evil 2. First off, one of the best games of... 2019. This game is phenomenal. It is great. I played through it. It is beautiful, gorgeous. The RE engine is fantastic. Uh, but with that being said, a brand new add-on is letting you skip the challenges and get right to the tofu. And we'll get into what we mean by that here in just a moment. Capcom's Resident Evil 2 Remake offers plenty beyond the core campaigns for Claire and Leon. Two extra scenarios, starring Umbrella Security Services operative Hunk and Stars member Tofu, are also available. But if you don't want to put in the work, or the time to unlock them. Hunk merely requires completing the game's A and B scenarios. You can do that now for a few extra bucks. The all-in-game rewards unlock item costs $4.99 and grants immediate access to the fourth survivor and the tofu survivor scenarios, as well as costumes, the infinite bonus weapon, and in-game models, as well as concept art. 
These extras can be unlocked through gameplay by meeting certain requirements, but if you don't feel like tackling some of RE2's more difficult challenges and still want all of the stuff, Capcom is giving you the option for a small fee. RE2's in-game rewards unlock is available from the PlayStation Store, Steam, as well as the Xbox Game Store, and that time-saving purchase may be a little easier to swallow with the free content, Ghost Survivors, and the 98 costumes for Claire and Leon that Capcom has released since RE2 arrived in January. Uh, so, it begins to bring up the discussion around the idea of, is this something that is good for gaming? Is this something that is, I don't want to say ethical because that carries a lot of weight to it, but is it something that we should support to be able to buy, uh, you know, all of the additional content that could be unlocked in the game for five bucks? And I think that this is okay considering where the game is in its life. Because, again, this game was released in January. You know, it's getting some age on it. Again, two months, not that much. What month is it? Three months? Not that much. But if this had been released from the get-go, if this had been released on day one, I think that's when people would have had a problem. But now, with the game being discounted a good bit, you can now pick up the game and then chunk five bucks at it and get all of the unlocks and just experience the game and dive into it. Again, if you don't want to do that, don't spend five bucks and spend the rest of your time unlocking it. I think I would have a bigger problem if this was somewhere around 10, 15, 20 bucks. But for five bucks, if you just want to experience running around in RE2 Remake as a block of tofu, which is literally what tofu is, uh, you can do that. That's cool, and you don't have to put in all of the effort that gets you to that specific stage because. A lot of people don't have time to invest hundreds of hours. Well, it wouldn't take hundreds of hours, you know. A lot of people don't have the time to invest in a game to get to the point where you can play as the block of tofu or even as hunk. Some people just don't have the time. And so to be able to allow those experiences to be experienced for just a small fee, I think is fine. Again, that's just my two cents on it. But hey, some people don't agree. But now let's talk about Roblox. I don't play it. But a lot of people do because now it has over 90 million monthly active users. That is 90 million people per month. That's a lot of small children. I mean people. Build it yourself game platform Roblox has surpassed 90 million monthly active users after adding French and German language support. For anyone unfamiliar with the name, Roblox is a free-to-play online game creation platform that lets users design their own games and play other users' creations. It had 70 million monthly active users as of September of 2018, meaning it has added another 20 million in the seven months since. The game is particularly popular with those under the age of 18 group, and according to creator Roblox Corp, currently boasts over 1 billion hours of engagement per month. That is 1 billion hours per month played of Roblox, meaning it's well on its way to rivaling huge platforms like YouTube and Netflix in terms of hours of content consumed by young people. Uh, so, of course, this doesn't come as a shock. This isn't something that is mind-bogglingly huge news. But it's worth talking about because that's a lot of time and that's a lot of people. And I think that's something that should definitely be applauded. Again, Roblox is an incredibly interesting game because it's almost like... Uh, you know, virtual Legos with the, you know, imaginative power that comes with playing with Legos as a kid, that's just encapsulated and amplified in Roblox, and that's what makes it incredibly welcoming for the young people. Uh, I say that like I'm a grandpa as a 22-year-old, like all those young people playing the Roblox. Uh, but when it comes down to it, 90 million people, that's a lot of people every single month, over a billion hours approaching uh, per month. Nutty. But hey, if you want to dive in, I think it's free to play. Pretty sweet right there. So if you want to dive in, give it a shot. Uh, you'll probably run into a lot of young people. But hey, 90 million players. 
got to be something there for you if you're into that kind of thing. And again, French and German support obviously factored a good bit into the fact that, hey, uh, you know, 90 million people. Wow. Uh, but let's say Roblox is not your thing. Let's say you are more into Overwatch. There is a brand new event coming to the game. This Overwatch archive is likely to take players to Havana, Cuba. Blizzard has announced the Overwatch Storm Rising event, which will begin next week. Announced on Twitter, Storm Rising is set to last from April the 16th until May the 6th, and the post includes the caption, Accessing Archived File, Decryption Status in Progress, Target Located. And of course, there is a video file, which unveils a lot of back story and stuff like that. So, the embedded video goes on into a deeper dive into the ongoing Overwatch lore and the team's conflict with Doomfist. In a recording from Sojourn to Strike Commander Morrison, it's revealed that instead of it going after Doomfist directly, the team is assigned to target his accountant Maximilian. The video reveals Tracer will be put in charge of the mission with Mercy, Winston, and Genji in support. Based on an official post from Sunday, it appears this archive will take place in Cuba and involve a Category 3 storm. This, over oh, excuse me, this Overwatch archive is yet another lore-based seasonal event following the footsteps of Retribution and Uprising. Both of those events similarly lasted from mid-April to early May, and both involved unique PvE game modes, with one team working to defeat waves of AI bots. They also included special loot boxes with event-exclusive content that became obtainable, uh, unobtainable following the events. Uh, so if you do want to dive in and get some of those obtainable, soon-to-be unobtainable, content pieces uh, you might want to dive into it get some skins get some get some all that good stuff uh, but again overwatch is an incredibly popular game the overwatch league is uh, rising in popularity so this is the perfect time to dive in and give it a shot of course tons of uh, of new uh you know characters to play as i think they're called heroes in overwatch haven't played since it came out in 2016 uh, it's been a hot minute since i've gone into the world of overwatch but I did want to let you guys know that if you are still into the game or the competitive scene, whatever you might be doing, you can dive in and check out a brand new in-game event that's more than likely going to be pretty impressive. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of Caffeinate. Of course, if you enjoyed today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube. Of course, if you are brand new, this show is hosted live on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern time, and you... Yes, you could follow over there like Mythicize did today during today's show. Thank you very much. And on top of that, of course, subscribe, follow on Twitter, all of that good stuff. Links are down below. But until tomorrow, you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday and peace.